Welcome back. We've got another amazing interview for you today. This one is with a woman named Lori Parrish, and we're going to talk about having difficult conversations and how we might approach talking about money, uh, thinking through like the conversation you have in your head, the one you had with people that you share money with, like a partner or a spouse, and the conversations you might have with parents, children, business partners, all coworkers, who knows? Take uh, maybe the conversations that you've been putting off or avoiding. And as you listen to this conversation with Lori, think about how you could change, you know, actually like have those conversations. And then the conversations that are super difficult right now to engage in and to like see change with, maybe think about those in how you might restart the conversation from a fresh, fresh perspective. There's a, Lori brings up the three C's of having effective conversations to be conscious, to be connected, and to be composed. And if you can uh, have those three C's before starting the conversation and then throughout the conversation, that could dramatically transform how things go. Conscious, connected, and composed. And then we also, I ask her a really difficult question um, about like, okay, when we have this conversation, should we bring up stuff in the past? Should we just focus on the future? Um, A combination of both. And I love her uh, response there and how it relates to the elephants in our rooms. And then finally, be sure to check out Lori's link in the show notes, as well as a link to our sister podcast, Grandma's Wealth Wisdom, where we talk about a little more in depth how to talk about money with parents. If you're concerned about uh what might be the future of money for your parents and how that will impact your own future with money, be sure you check out that episode uh, to see the questions that I refer to during this conversation with Lori. Okay, without further ado, here's the conversation with Lori. Lori, share what we forgot to put in your bio. Sure. So I am a uh, conversational intelligence coach. A couple of years ago, I participated in a program. I had no idea conversational intelligence was a thing. And Judith E. Glazier, uh, who is an organizational anthropologist, as she liked to call herself, uh, created that um, phrase or term after decades of research. So I found it to be an, an amazing um, concept and strategies, and it helps me a lot in the work that I do. Yeah. So before we uh, dive into the questions for Lori today, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. If you're catching us on YouTube, hit the like button and the the, uh, subscribe button. Use the comments uh, on the video to ask questions. If you're joining us live, we can get Lori to answer them live. If you're catching the replay, thank you so much for uh, catching in. If you want to comment still, you totally can. And then If you're watching on Facebook, kind of same rules apply. You can't really subscribe, but you can like our page and you can use the comments to ask questions. And then we'd love for this to be interactful. So uh, please uh, ask away. Okay. Done with the housekeeping. Lori, take us back 
to your childhood? What were you learning about conversational intelligence and having difficult conversations mm -hmm. at that point? Um, and how, like, how, where's this, where does the story start? Well, I realized a few years ago that it started back uh, there. I remember a time, a story that I like to tell is that I remember a time being very excited to share a math test with my family, the, re the results of my math test. And uh, so we had dinner and I excitedly waved the, the paper and I gave it to my dad and um, he looked at it and he uh, said, an A minus, why not an A plus? And he he was saying it lovingly. I realized, uh, you know, he he was a teaser in his way of showing his uh, love and affection to me. And I realize now that 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 really impacted me. Mm -hmm. And in regards to conversational uh, or difficult conversations, I remember thinking, "What? Wait a minute." You know, that's a really good grade. And I worked really hard for that. But none of that came out. I froze. I avoided saying anything. I mean, he was my dad, you know. I, What could I say? Yeah, dad, A plus would have been great. I don't even know what I said back. Yeah. So fast forward, I realized as I got into uh, the professional, my professional career, I avoided difficult conversations, similar thing, found myself freezing and nothing coming out. And so that's kind of where, where it yeah. started. I yeah. was, you know, you, you, we either avoid difficult conversations or we are aggressive, can, can be aggressive or what I like to call verbally vomit. We can verbally vomit all over the other person mm -hmm. and, uh, and neither of those are good. Yeah. So how did you like become aware of that there was such a thing as conversational intelligence and there was a positive way to share what you were thinking without it becoming word vomit? Yeah. So I was um, working at a school district. I was uh, in the HR department and I had an opportunity to participate in a professional development workshop around the material uh, for a book called Crucial Confrontations. Amazing book. Uh, there are several authors. Joseph Grenny is one of the authors of that book. They have a whole series and participated in this uh, curriculum, this content of Crucial com Confrontations. And that was my first kind of formal exposure to, holy cow, I can do these things differently. I don't have to avoid anymore. And I must admit that while avoiding was my go-to, sometimes I would verbally vomit all over others as well. I kind of um, navigate that spectrum, you know, one or the other. So that was when I first, and of course I had heard things through the years. Um, my bachelor's in, is in psychology. So probably had some of that, you know, active listening sort of um material then. But it really was like, holy cow, they made it seem so easy. And it made so much sense. And I became a trainer of that 
curriculum in my workplace. And then they also have a book called Crucial Conversations and then even one called Influencer. So that, and so I became a trainer of all of that content in my organization at that time. And it was just powerful strategies that made me realize I could show up differently during difficult conversations. And then I loved being able to share it with others and, and help others learn how to do it. Yeah. So it sounds like you learned while learning how to teach others, which is an amazing way to learn something. If you know you're going to teach it, you have to learn it really well. Yes. Yes. And that's the way to be able to, to really utilize the strategies, because let's face it, I'm thinking you and I are at least 21 years of age or older. And so we have at least two decades of conversational habits that some that probably serve us well and then others that don't serve us so well. And so I'm sure we've all heard, you know, takes 21 days to change a habit whatever you might um, dial into with that, certainly conversational habits take some time to change. So as I was teaching these strategies, ideas, and concepts to others, then I was able to practice them myself yeah. because that's part of the changing the habit is we need to practice. And so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you go about like changing conversational habits? Like, I know if I'm trying to like drink more water, right? Like I start with small little, like I drink one cup, right? Extra each day or, you know, a little bit more and, and then kind of grow from there. But like, or same with like exercise. If I wanted to be, have, I just don't go run a marathon. I go for a walk, right? Or stand for while I'm watching TV or something like that. How do you change financial or no conversational habits? <laughs> sure. Exactly the same way, really. And uh, what I found in the variety of materials and, and books and resources that I have um, intentionally pursued since that first training that I was telling you about, there's some common themes. And and I think when you and I first talked, I, I, I described, I've, I put it in the idea of three C's um, around powerful conversations. And it's being conscious, being connected, and being composed or be be conscious, be connected, be composed. And so that first one, be conscious, is really what you've already talked about, what you mentioned about awareness. We need to become aware of what's happening. So for example, when I would realize that I would freeze or another wonderful phrase I learned or was the scientific piece of we have an amygdala back here in a part of our brain. You're probably familiar with the idea. So we have a amygdala hijack. That's our fight or flight mode, our survival mode, and our brain, uh, when we get triggered or threatened, our brain either fight or flight. Well, as I mentioned, my go-to was flight, uh, whether I remained in <laughs> right in place or I took off, I would avoid, I would, I would flee. Um, from difficult conversations. And so that amygdala hijack, I didn't really know it was a thing until probably a decade or so ago. And so just being aware of, oh my goodness, something happens in our all of our brains. If we get hijacked, we can't access our prefrontal cortex where we can where we can think rationally, logically, creatively, innovatively. And so I learned like, 
okay, now I know why nothing is coming out. I, so that awareness is huge. Now we can't yeah. live there. We can't live there. And so, so that was one of the first things. How do we become more conscious just because it goes well with the three C's, but mm -hmm. more mindful, more self-aware of what happens to me even before I open my mouth. Yeah. When I'm, yeah. when I'm feeling triggered and I know there's a difficult conversation yeah. about to happen. I want to talk about connected and composed, but before we go there, this, I'm just going to take this consciousness and relate it to money, right? Like to know like how we feel when we swipe that credit card or open our wallet or pay that bill and to just become aware of it, um, out, like apart from conversation, apart from, in, you know, um, meeting, like talking with anybody about it, but just knowing like how we really feel inside and feeling those feelings, not trying to ignore them or, um, and not trying to like hype them up, but just acknowledge what they are when we're doing those actions. Same kind of thing when we're, we might be triggered by, well, it's an A minus instead of an A plus, right? Um, or we get some criticism. We just knowing like, well, do I, am I angry? Am I jealous? Am I, you know, like, and then really determining like, am I doing this to fulfill a need or a want? Does this excite me? Does it cause me stress? Like just being aware of that can be a really awesome first step. I'm loving this. Okay. Take me to connected. What, what does that mean? Sure. Well, well, I, I just want to follow up with something yeah. you said exactly with the triggers. So for those of us that have partners and significant others, when perhaps we're asked about the target bill, if I can say a brand, but if we're asked about a bill, why did you pay that? You know, why did you spend this money or what did you spend this on? And so when we're when we receive those questions and we get triggered or we feel threatened because someone is questioning our spending or um, our habits around money and spending, being aware of what happens when we get those kinds of questions is a yeah. great way to be conscious um, to, to make that connection with you. So with the connection piece, it's when we're having difficult conversations is how are we connecting with others? So I mentioned a little bit about active listening. For those of us, us that have had Psych 101, active listening is a huge piece of psychology and, and uh, emotional intelligence and, and interacting with others. And so I totally support and understand active listening. But this idea, one of the ideas in the conversational intelligence framework is this idea that Judith talks about called listen to connect. And so, again, in all of the books I've read and the trainings um, that I've had, this idea around connection, how do we connect with the other person? Because we're not going to be able to have a positive, productive, purposeful conversation if we're not connected. If I feel threatened by you, um, if I'm... Um, yeah, if I feel threatened, yeah, you may not be a saber-toothed tiger, but I may, if I if I feel like I'm going to be embarrassed, if I'm going to be criticized, if I'm going to be controlled um, through the conversation, then we uh, we react, and so and then that impacts how we show up. So there are lots of strategies around how do we listen to connect. How do we connect with others so that we can have those those um, conversations? Yeah. It's really all about relationships. Yeah. It's you know it's so much easier to have a difficult conversation with someone that we know and trust and feel safe with. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I think most of the time when we have financial conversations, they're with someone that's like a significant other, someone that we mm -hmm. share finances with. Mm -hmm. And I found, so my husband and I, we started doing money meetings um, s several years ago, but we found if we just jump straight to the money, we weren't going to have a good conversation. But if we were out grabbing a, a meal together or even a cup of coffee or some ice cream or, you know, something where we were connecting beyond just the, the conversation we need to have around money, how's our budget doing, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that it was often a much better conversation, I think, because like looking back on it with your, uh, you know, we felt connected and it was more than just about having the money conversation. It was about having t time together and doing mm -hmm. something that we both enjoyed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then because you have that relationship and there's trust and connection, then, you know, you're you're talking human to human. Yeah. And and some of the stories we create in our mind, even before opening our mouths, you know, those stories, we push pause on those stories. We can rewrite those stories so they don't get in our way. And uh, and then we can have a much healthier connection and, and a much healthier conversation. Yeah. Love it. OK. Composed. Composed. Well, so as I was thinking about all of this and, and all of the information that I've learned, uh, the word control would come up a lot. And, and well, and actually it came up in a very uh, unscientific Facebook poll that I um, asked. I shot a question out to my, um, my community and said, what is your biggest concern about having a difficult conversation? And the theme was the other person. I don't know how the other person's going to react. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. All of those kinds of answers came up uh, more than any other about how to, how to, I deal with difficult conversations. And so as I was thinking about, you know, we often hear, you know, what can you control? You can't control the other person. You can only control yourself. And so as I was thinking about my three C's, I thought mm, control can have a negative kind of connotation, power struggle, and I didn't want to go there. And so as I was noodling on this a friend and sharing it with a friend, she said, how about composed? because we want to be composed. How do we want to show up in these conversations? If I'm verbally vomiting all over you, I am not composed. If I'm hijacked and I'm fleeing either figuratively or literally, I am not composed. So that is, it's all around this idea of how do I truly want to show up? I mean, once we get past the addiction to being right and, you know, my way is going to be the way that's going to work with whatever we're navigating. Once we get past that, we can um, show up differently. And so if we're conscious, we're connected and we're composed during these conversations, we can have them much more successfully. Yeah. Um, the big thing that's coming to mind for me, and I want to ask what you think of this, that sometimes these don't happen all at once. You have to have time between when you become conscious, mm. you get connected, and it could be a little while before you're ready to have a conversation from a composed, you know, situation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love that summary. And you're absolutely right, particularly if we don't have the awareness. And so 
as we learn different strategies and some easy ones we've heard before with other ways to take care of ourselves is, you know, certainly breathing. You know, when we feel hijacked, we can count to 10 and breathe slowly in and out, those kinds of things. Um, But there are many, many others. And so as we start to learn the new habits around being conscious, then we can focus on building that connection and and that composure. But we all have some strategies that work for us in all three of these buckets, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just, you know, how can we grow and strengthen our conversational intelligence? Because as Judith says, we all have it. What's exciting is, is that it's learnable no matter what age and we can grow and get better in um, how we interact and connect, navigate and grow with others. Yeah, I'm loving this. This is so great that I came across this tool recently called the one hour rule. Mm. When you have that heightened sense of emotion, whether it's fight or flight or stress or anxiety, to just set a timer for an hour and sit in that feeling. So I'm sure some people might be able to just sit there for 10 seconds, but particularly if it's like in a relational context, whether at work or, you know, personal relationship, whatever, set the one hour rule, just feel the feelings, let it mull, kind of let it simmer a little bit, and then come back and start problem solving. And um, I think we need to give ourselves permission sometimes to not feel like we have to be ready to go in 10 seconds or, you know, whatever. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I love that because you're right. When we get hijacked, there is a, a, a whole chemical thing that happens in our brain. And um, I'm not a scientist and I don't play one on TV, but the neuroscience around this stuff is amazing too. And with those amygdala hijack, the stress hormone cortisol just floods our brain. Well, it takes eight hours, research shows, it takes eight hours for that cortisol hijack to minimize. Well, if we keep replaying whatever it was that triggered us, that cortisol hijack just keeps going and going and going. And so that agitation, chemical, physical, emotional agitation can stay with us. Yeah. And then, or if we kind of forget about it for a while because we go about our day and then we start thinking about it again on our way home, we're likely to be hijacked when we get in the house. And even if we don't mean it, we might verbally vomit all over somebody who has no idea what had happened to us earlier in the day. Yeah. Sometimes so. it's okay to vent, but oh, yeah, right in the right context. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. This is so such useful information. Um, how, like when you're work, so you're, it says right there at the bottom, you're a life coach. Like how do you walk people through um, being ready for these kinds of conversations and getting practice and that kind of thing? Great question. Thanks for asking that. And um, I think one of the things that I want to put a pin in is that idea of getting ready. Mm-hmm. And and I think to along with those three C's, that composure piece is being prepared. We think that, or I grew up thinking, you know, I should just be able to respond. And when I wasn't, you know, when did I think about something good to say? Two hours later when I was driving home from work or, you know, it would be, oh, yeah, I should have said that. Well, that's not helpful. So as we 
again, become conscious of past conversations that maybe didn't go so well and what we'd like to do differently. Or we think to the future about conversations that, you know, those money conversations, if we've had them before and we know that they don't end well or they're uncomfortable, uh, then we can prepare for them. And so it's, it's uh, and even practice. I talk about when I work with um, some clients around this, I mean, and my life coaching is is quite broad um, in regards to the topics and strategies we might dive into, but when it's around conversations, which of course we are, we're all in relationships so of some kind, and so we all um, have conversations with others. So as we're diving into that, it's the idea around scripting. We, we need to script some of these conversations because this stuff doesn't, doesn't just come off the top of our head, particularly if we're hijacked and we're avoiding or we're verbally vomiting. And so um, I talk about scripting, uh, role playing, or what, what I like to call real playing. It's a real conversation that I'm either going to do over or I'm going to have, and I want to do it better right from the start. And so we will talk about that and I will play the other person that's on the, the receiving end or the other person that's in the conversation so that my clients can practice. Nice. And um, and then, you know, then we can talk about, well, how did that feel? What would you like to do differently? And of course, again, it's always the question, well, what is the other person going to do? I don't know how they're going to react. Well, but we can influence the conversation by how we show up and how we are composed uh, and, and yeah. to, to engage in that conversation. Absolutely. I've seen that happen time and time again in my life. Um, one of the things I've heard coaches called is allies. And mm -hmm. it sounds like in some, I love that real playing too, instead of role playing. It sounds like what you're really doing is coming alongside someone, being their ally and saying, okay, how, how are we going to get through this together? Right? Like, mm -hmm. and kind of cheerleading them on that kind of thing as they go through it. Absolutely. As a coach, I am a supportive accountability partner. I can be objective and of course confidential and and I'm not the expert uh, in the room. The client is. The yeah. clients show up as the expert in their lives and uh, coaching is all about facilitating growth. So I am the, the facilitator of that growth. The client needs to take action and we dive into, you know, how did it go? What went well? What didn't? Where are you now? Where would you like to be? And it's with conversations or any other thing that that we dive into uh, yeah. when I'm working with my clients. Yeah, nice. Um, the the I can so I'm hesitating whether to say this or not, but I'm going to go for it. When, go for it. So I also have a bachelor's, and mine is in psychology as well. And I chose not to pursue being a psych psychologist or a psychiatrist mm -hmm. because. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to like sit there in a room and talk with people and rehash old past th things all the time. And I wouldn't consider myself a money coach per se, but I, I did go through a life coach training at one time several awesome. years ago. And one of the things I found that they shared in that um, curriculum is that while a psychologist goes back in history, a coach is often the present and moving forward and very actually even rarely can talk about the past only when it's super relevant and needed mm -hmm. to be shared for contextual information or whatever. And I've found 
in talking with people and having money conversations, I literally like ask them one question about the past and it's all like future oriented, you know, current situation mm -hmm. and future oriented. And mm -hmm. I found that actually helps people be ready to have a conversation when maybe they weren't ready to have one before because they know we're not going to dig up skeletons in the closet or talk about uh, their parents and the relationship they had with them and stuff like that. Do you, and does that uh, ring true for you and how you approach your work too? Sure. Yes. So I too um, completed the bachelor's in psychology, but I did not pursue clinical or therapeutic degrees or certification beyond that. I actually worked for 10 years in crisis intervention and I, I didn't, I wasn't doing therapy, so I didn't need those licensures and certification. And to your point, um, I, mental health is, has a very special place in my heart in terms of helping people gain mental health. I'm actually um, just recently um, dialed into becoming an executive director of a counseling center. Nice. And so um, certainly there is, is definitely a need for and a place for therapy. And so um, certainly that, you know, the hope, the help and healing that the counseling can provide um, is, is needed. And I encourage people to pursue that. You're right. Um, counseling and coaching are, are different. And, and in my program, that was stressed um, in, you know, to, to really make that separation of as a coach, it's not about fixing. It's not about diagnosing. It's not about, um, you know, expecting someone to do what I recommend or tell them to do and then report back. I mean, there's a little bit of the accountability yeah. piece, but it's it's just different. And and again, I am I have the utmost respect for for counseling. But you 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 described it perfectly. A lot of times in order to heal in therapy, we go back in order to move forward. But with coaching, it is really start where are where are you now? Where and you know, past will come up, but it's really about where are we now and where do we want to be and how do yeah. we get there? And so it's very goal oriented, very action oriented, and um, and you know, who's gonna do what by when? And mm -hmm. you know, usually it's the individual, you know, what are you gonna do by when? And then um, some of my clients like to tease me about, oh, you know, homework. I don't give homework, I do share resources and suggestions. Um, after we've kind of dialed into the resources and ideas that the client already has. But then it's really about that growth and development. And with therapy, some we need to heal right. sometimes before we can grow and develop. And when yep. we have healed, or at least we're healed enough to then grow and develop, then that coaching. And a lot of therapists coach as well, right. whether they have a, um, a certification in it or not. So it's there's some integration, but definitely some separation as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love the, like the focus of therapy is healing mm -hmm. um, and it can border into growth, right? Mm -hmm. And healing is very growth, like growing, right? Yes. You have to grow to heal. Mm -hmm. um, but kind of if we're splicing and dicing, that's a good way to think about it. Um, yeah. And part of why I bring this up is I'm curious your take if let's say we have um, a couple and they're going to sit down and have a conversation around money and they're trying to feel, you know, get conscious, get connected, and then be composed as they enter into that conversation. Should they bring up the past? Mm. Should they focus on the present <laughs> and the future only? What do you, what's your, what do you, what's your take there? Yeah. Wow. Do we have a whole nother hour? <laughs> um, 
So where to begin? Well, and I was actually just talking with one of our therapists at the center that there is a, a particular strategy and resources that she utilizes around the, that, that idea. Um, but in terms of the work that I do um, related to that and answering your question, I think that with couples, um, and I, I can't say I haven't done any life coaching with couples, but certainly, you know, again, if there is a partner, um, something usually comes up. And even in my own life, I've been married 25 years and there are some things that, you know, if I took out the Rolodex, you know, I might be hanging on to. And in all of the work that I've done, um, the idea around stories is huge. And uh, with the conversation, no, with the crucial conversations and crucial confrontations work that I'm familiar with, there's a big piece in this idea around mastering my stories. Because if I'm holding on to whatever it was that upset me in the past, if I can't get past that or put it aside, it may come up and it'll hijack me every time. And so, yes, to answer your question more directly, it's really, you know, what wounds might we have to heal and not from the therapeutic piece, but, you know, are there some things that either we need to let go of, or, you know, if there's elephants in the room, we might need to, you know, invite them out of the room and how do we do that? Um, and that's the story piece of, you know, we can't, if we're going to talk about money, we can't talk about 10 years ago when maybe I spent, I don't know, I've never done this, but it's $500 on a pair of shoes. I, I think that's probably possible, but, you know, so, but if somebody is hanging on to that and, and can't let go of it, then we're not going to be able to be in the present and talk about um, the future. If you're hanging on to, oh, you spent that you know, $500 on the pair of shoes. So we do have to, to pause, push pause on those stories and really look at, at the facts. Cause actually when we've got the stories going, we can't be open. We can't be connected. We can't be trusting. Yeah. And so we have to rewrite those stories, give some grace. And, um, and if it is in a, in a, partner, you know, spouse type of relationship, marriage type of relationship, you know, if there's love and there's trust there, we need to, um, to put those stories aside. So yeah. hope that answers your question. I I'm, think so. I think, okay. if, um, to reflect back, it sounds like maybe if those, if the past is kind of a wedge that's keeping mm -hmm. you disconnected from one another, then you can't move on to the composed. You can't move on to the conversation until you can get those wedges from in between you yeah and actually connect yeah i love that and and maybe before we talk about money it's talking about some of those other wedges if if those wedges aren't related to money or if they are it's yeah you know we we might have to um you know say some thank yous or or um apologies or i'm sorry's not thank yous but we might have to say some our, our, i'm sorry's and 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 have some conversation around that first, yeah. which can be difficult and uncomfortable. And so again, we find ourselves back at being conscious, connected, and composed. And the connected really is about establishing the relationships, understanding another's person, per, per, another person's perspective, mm -hmm. and, and that trust piece. And if I feel safe with you or whomever I'm talking with, then I can be more trusting that you know you're going to treat me with dignity and respect 
you're going to, you know, that we're working towards common ground, mutual respect, mutual purpose. And those are some of the phrases within the crucial conversations, confrontations work that, that are really powerful. Um, so. I love that. Um, I want to give you a chance to share about how people can connect with you, any other things you wanted to share, but I want to encourage everyone listening to, we focused on like significant others, spouses, partners, but you could take everything we've talked about today, apply it to conversations with parents, with children, with business partners. Um, so a lot of times what I see people doing is not talking about money with them. But think through how you might uh, become conscious of your real feelings related to money in those relationships, how you can feel more connected with the those people, and then how you might broach the conversation. And actually, I should probably find it. We have a podcast episode we did about how to talk with your parents about money. Because mm. um, a lot of us are worried that we're going to have to take care of our parents mm. that you know they're they're going to run out of money before they run out of life and vitality and all those kind of things or they're just they're going to need something extra to help cover medical costs or something and i don't want us to live with that worry i want mm. us to have those conversations and that i love this framework how can you be conscious of what how you really feel about it how can you connect with your parents you know sit down over dinner um, tell them, I'd love to talk to you about money. Is that okay? Right before scheduling that dinner or whatever, and then practice, compose, you know, compose your scripts, all of that before you sit down. And we have in that podcast episode questions you can ask them mm. rather than trying to tell them, have, you know, um, questions you can ask to help draw out their story and how they're thinking about the money in the future. Yeah. I think we need to do one with then how to talk to your kids about it too. That's one thing I'm still learning because I only have a three-year-old. <laughs> ah. <laughs> hey, it's, it's uh, never too early, right? Uh, having those yeah. conversations. Um, I think that that is fabulous. And actually the, the, you, you talked about a strategy that's huge in all of this and that's asking questions. And that's one of the things I noticed in um, your podcast that I caught from last month, um, uh, you know, the idea around asking questions. And when we have difficult conversations, we tend to go at it that verbally vomiting is is statements and accusations and blaming and, and you know, we're the victim and whomever else is the villain if we get into some of the really um, emotional ones. And, and so one of the main strategies in all the work I've encountered is asking questions, but it's not the, why did you do that? Or, you know, those types. And certainly our tone is, is a big piece of that, but it's the questions like help me understand or, or, um, you know, expressing a fact about the situation. I noticed that on our visa bill, we've got this, this charge what happened or, you know, but it's, it's asking questions um, that start with what, that start with how, and, and really opening a two-way dialogue to invite the other person to feel safe and comfortable to answer the question. Because if I show up with, why did you do that? What were you thinking? Even though that's a what question, but <laughs> what were you thinking is not a good question to ask. No. Um, <laughs> and so, but there are, there's a host of questions that, you know, particularly in discovery, when we're discovering 
in the workplace, when we're being innovative in the workplace, um, and uh, and asking questions uh, around money in a helpful, uh, curi- curious way. That's that's the the space yeah. we want to sit in is being curious when mm-hmm. we ask our questions. So I love that you're you're um, having those uh, conversations and and utilizing that strategy of asking questions in order to get to. A productive conversation. Yeah. So thank you. And you're right. You're right. I mean, the 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 work that I'm doing is all about the toxic com- the toxic work environments that I had been a part of through the years, and we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about boss employee or partners or um, peers. But yeah, definitely in the workplace, and even with vendors and clients. If you're a small business owner, this goes across. Yeah cross entity because we're human and we interact with a wide variety of people. So you asked about how people can get in touch with me. I have a website, uh, parishcoaching.net and there's information there. My email is parishcoaching22, parishcoaching, all one word, um, the number 22 at um, uh, gmail.com. And so uh, I'm on Facebook as well. Parish coaching and consulting, but I think it's at L Parish Coach. I think is is um, the way, um, and I, I LinkedIn as well, and um, and Twitter. My my Twitter um, uh, engagement kind of ebbs and flows, <laughs> but I'm dialed into all those arenas. So, well, thank you so much, Lori. Um, if you're you missed the URL or anything, it's in the description below uh, this video, so you can click there to check it out. Uh, Lori, I want to give you the final word here. What's the number one thing you want people to remember hmm. and take with them today? Difficult conversations are possible. We can navigate them. Uh, we will never like, I don't think we will never like conflict, nor am I suggesting we do that. Uh, We can navigate it successfully and have positive, purposeful, productive conversations. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you.